Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Praise God. John chapter 15. The Lord's been ministering this. I knew I was supposed to read it because my wife... Uh, last night, the Lord was talking to me about this, this scripture. And I said, Lord, are you sure that's the direction you want to go? And then she reads, she reads to me often when I go to sleep. I'm kind of like one of those, uh, this is terrible. Can I tell them some of our personal stuff? It'll, oh, she's leaving the church now. So I'm a little bit of an old man. She brings me my vitamins and my cup to my bedside at night. I'm still in my 30s and I'm doing that kind of stuff. I guess I, I can do that. I'm starting to get gray. So she spoiled me. She spoils me a little bit. And then she reads to me sometimes. I like being read to as I go to sleep hearing God's word. Uh, just a little cork about me that maybe you want to know. Uh, and it was, she was reading about John chapter 15 and being pruned. And how many feel, I'm just, I want to know a show of hands. How many feel that they're in a season of being pruned? I just want to know I'm preaching to the right crowd. Can I see those hands again? Like being cut. I, I almost wanted to name this message, cut if you do, cut if you don't. <laughs> let, me, let me read this scripture and you'll, I'm being funny, but I really believe this is God's word for us this morning. So how many are ready to receive? John chapter 15, verse one through eight, it says, Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch, look at somebody and say, that includes you. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Do not hold on to what God is trying to take away. For every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? Why does he do that? So that it might bear more fruit. And you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now he gives an instruction on how to bear fruit. This is the best instruction, in my opinion, that the Bible gives on how to bear fruit. Abide in me, Jesus said, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. I just want to underline that for a moment. I just feel like the, 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 the leading of the Lord to just stop there for a second. I want you to, you don't have to underline it, but just take note of it. You can highlight it if you want to. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, why would he say that? Because he needs you to know that you cannot bear fruit without him. It takes partnership in the kingdom. And many of us try to simply produce fruit on our own. Now, we never would want to admit that. But many of us try to come to God with an idea and we ask him to bless it. But he's saying, that is not the way of Christianity. You come to me to produce something, but only produce that which I've called you to produce. And if you connect with him enough, listen, by default, fruit pops up. Why? Because of the proximity of the branch abiding in the vine. Say, I am not the vine. 
I am only the branch. My job is not to produce. It's to abide. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him does what? Say it again. Bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. And if anyone hears his warning to the body, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them up and throw them in the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my word, this is important. Who's the word? John chapter one says that Jesus is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. We have to clarify that right now. Jesus is the word. He is the word of God made flesh. If my words abide in you and you abide in my words, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, the father is glorified or my father, Jesus said, is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. You may have your seats. Now, now I wanna just, I wanna I felt I should say something along those lines because we talk about whatever we desire. This is extremely important, what I'm about to tell you. And it took me many years to figure this out, and I'm still figuring it out. Do you see how it says, he who, whatever you ask or whatever you desire, you will have? Did you know you can have whatever you desire? some people are unsure whether or not they should say yes or not they're like just waiting for my answer the branch cannot desire anything it can't desire anything of itself it can't it's too busy abiding okay an apple tree cannot want oranges it's not in its DNA. It can't want. When you're truly abiding in Jesus, you can't want to cheat on a spouse. You can't, you can't want it. When you're abiding, you can't want that thing. You cannot want to be seen. You don't want your giftedness to be seen. You're too busy hiding, abiding in the vine. You only want the vine to be seen. Is everybody hearing me this morning? This is so rich if you'd get this. So, so when you desire, so it's like, it's like an apple, tree, excuse me, an apple tree saying to the vine, I simply want to produce apples. He's asking, so he's going to get it because he's abiding in the right thing to produce that thing. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? I want, I want to minister a message this morning called when growth feels diminishing when growth feels diminishing a sure sign that you're growing is when you're in a season of cutting some people have bought into the lie that when everything is going good and they're on the high horse that they're growing you're not you're stifled You are only growing when you are feeling the cutting away of the Lord. And this is God's process, is cutting away. Here's where most of us as believers, and I spent many, many years doing this. 
Once I produce fruit in a certain area of my life, I can feel the hand of the Lord about to cut that thing off. It could be a relationship. It could be a career. It could be a desire, a dream, something that I've wanted. And I feel the Lord severing that thing. And I've grabbed his hand trying to hold on to the fruit. And many of us don't accomplish what God has called us to. Or you ever felt like you just keep going around the same cycle? And God keeps going after that same exact thing in your life. Why is that? Because we stop his hand. We stop the shears midway. And we keep him from cutting that thing out of our life. What happens to fruit on a tree that's not cut? Have you ever seen it? I live by an orange grove. So I get to drive by it all the time. And when, when the vine dresser or the orange pickers do not pick them in time, what it can do is it can begin to hurt the tree overall when it's not pruned fast enough. The weight of that fruit. And here's the thing. Most of us think that the fruit that we produce in our lives is for us to just look at and enjoy. God doesn't cause us to bear fruit for us. He does it for others to pick from. Anybody feel pruned in this season? We must, and there is an art. When I say art, that kind of sounds weird, but there is an art to surrendering, to trusting the vine dresser to cut out what needs to be cut out so that we can produce what he wants us to produce. I want to read this. Uh, Matthew, I'm going to do a little bit of a, I'm going to break a little bit of rules. I'm going to read a lot. Can I read a lot? It's scripture. It has its own interpretations, but I want to drive this home really quick. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 45, and then I'm going to skip down to 47 through 58. Am I talking too fast back there? Or am I doing okay? Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 45. And then we're going to travel a little bit to, we're going to skip uh, starting at verse 46 and jump to uh, 47 through 58. Here's what it says. Then Jesus came to them, came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Say Gethsemane. Gethsemane means the place where the olive is crushed. Okay. Everybody say, the place that the olive is crushed. That's what it means. And the disciples said to him, or he said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him his core, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which would be James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed and said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here with me and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face saying, Oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nonetheless, not as I will, but as you will. You know what I have found out in the Lord? If you want to find his will, you must, have, you must not have a will of your own. Now, I'm going to ask you something, and I'm going to ask for a repeat. I just want to make sure, because some of you are wondering, why can't I have a will of my own? Well, does the branch have a will of its own? 
No, it's too busy abiding in the vine. It has to surrender to the will of the vine or the trunk. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? It can't want something that's outside of its connection or its DNA, or it will work against the will of the vine. And I want to ask you something. How has carrying out your own will worked for you? Which time? That's what I want to say. Young people, you'll understand that more and more as you live. You will find out. But you would do yourself a great service to find out how to surrender early in life. So you don't spend your life trying to produce something that God doesn't desire. Because I have seen God allow people to produce something that he doesn't will for their life. And they hate the very thing that they thought would bring them life. We don't have the ability to discern fully because we can't see the full picture. We don't see the stress that that thing we think will make us happy. We can't see the stress that it will bring eventually. If you marry a certain person, if you feel a, fulfill a certain calling or a certain uh, career, we do not see the, the depression around the corner that comes with that thing that we desire. But God knows all things. He knows what it looks like at the very end, at the very beginning of it. But because we have limited view, we can't see the end. And so we must surrender to the will of the vine so that we can actually produce. And he says, you're not just going to produce, but you're going to produce much fruit. Then it goes on to say, so he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them sleeping again, for their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. And he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour has come. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. And while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, came with a great multitude with swords and clubs and came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. And now his betrayer had given given them a sign saying, whoever I kiss, he's the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, Rabbi. That should have gave him a sign when he was being hyper-religious. I'm very careful when people come to me with hyper-religious words. They're trying to gain something from me. Always remember that when people come to you with very hyper-religious talk. They're trying to woo you. Greetings, Rabbi. It's free. Put that one in your back pocket because you'll need it. And Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? And he said, They laid hands on Jesus and took him, and suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew a sword that was Peter, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said, put your sword in its place. And then it goes on. Now watch this. It says, in that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, have you gone out against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples, watch this, all the disciples forsook him and fled. And those 
who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest. I want to show you this story, this storyline, because I'm going somewhere with this. Everybody say he's going somewhere. And when he said to the scribes and elders who were assembled, but Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. And he went in and sat among the servants until the end. Now if we go to Matthew chapter 27, then we're going to have some Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit fun. Matthew chapter 27, verse 27 through 51. I want, I want to show you something here. So that was when Jesus was being taken. So he was taken from the garden. You see Jesus' human side having his own will apart from the Father. What did he say? Not. But you can tell his human side had a different will. Do you understand that? He had to surrender. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. So he drunk the cup, the cup of suffering. Say the cup of suffering. And then we fast forward to Matthew chapter 27, verse 27 through 51. And this, this is when they take Jesus to the governor and they take him into the praetorium. Is it up on the screen? Yes, it says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, O hail, king of the Jews. They spat on him, and they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off and put his own, their own, his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. And now they came out and they found a Cyrene, Simon by name, and they compelled him to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, Golgotha means the place of the skull. That is to say the place of the skull. It, it said it, I forgot that it said it there. Then they gave him, watch this, sour wine. They gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. Watch what Jesus does though. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Why would he not drink it? Hmm? Because it was sour. Come on. Why do you think he didn't drink it? Sour wine with gall. They would give it to the person being crucified to numb the pain. But Jesus needed to feel the full extent of the pain that he was going through. Because if he had taken it, I think it might go too far as to say it would have disqualified Jesus. I don't think it would have disqualified Jesus, but Jesus needed to feel the full weight of the sin of the world and the full pain to go through the fullness of what God had him to go through. So what am I trying to say? You're seeing right here Jesus' life being pruned. You're seeing... Now you have to think about this because just three years earlier, Jesus' Facebook page blew up to billions of followers. Okay, it's not scriptural. That really didn't happen. But his popularity grew exponentially because of the miracles and the signs and the wonders. What Jesus was doing, he was raising the dead, the blind were seeing, the lame were walking. His popularity grows immensely and starts traveling all around the Roman world or Israel at that time. 
And so you see this up and down uh, roller coaster ride in Jesus's life, him being pruned, him bearing fruit. And this right here, while Jesus went to the cross, the Lord himself was pruning Jesus. And by Jesus not taking, partaking of the wine, he's saying, cut me, give me the full extent. And I want to challenge you this morning not to stop God's hand when he's pruning certain areas of your life because he is pruning you not to diminish you, but to grow you. I almost entitled it when forward feels like reverse. This is a sure sign that many of you are growing in the Lord this morning. When you start feeling like a child all over again, like this big in the spirit. Come on, many of us have been, have you ever felt that way? You felt grown in the spirit, you feel strong, and then you ghost through something and you come to find out based on your reaction of what you're going through shows that you are still maturing in the Lord. Am I talking to anybody? And that oftentimes feels like you're going in reverse gear. You're like, I thought I was further than that in the Lord. Anybody? Anybody feeling like that right now? I'm feeling like that right now. This is the process of the kingdom. So I want you to normalize being cut by the Lord, being pruned, because his desire is more fruit. I ran into somebody recently, and we don't want to be this person, okay? Have you ever ran into somebody who's been walking with the Lord for many, many years? who you know loves Jesus. It was a dentist, actually. I was, they were working on my mouth and she's telling me the whole story of her friend, her best friend. She said her best friend has been walking with the Lord so many years. And she said, but every time I get around her, all she does is talk about her ex-husband. And she can never get into a relationship. I'm just trying to make it practical for you. But this can fall in so many different areas of our lives. And she was talking about the failure of the relationship. It's hard to go forward when you keep looking backwards. It, it's hard to bear fruit when you keep looking at the fruit that's on the ground that dropped off of your tree. And we don't want to be that believer who in 15 and 20 years, we're still crying over the fruit that we lost instead of focusing on what God is doing in our lives right now. God, behold, I do a new thing and it shall spring forth. It shall come forth. And do you know what I have found? The reason most believers look the same in 20 years or 10 years or even one year. You know what Smith Wigglesworth said? This was a hard one for me, Ken. He said, if a man or woman of God has not grown spiritually and gone forward to some degree in two weeks, they're a backslider. Everybody say, I surrender to your pruning, Lord. Most people stay that way because as soon as God goes to, we idolize our fruit. As soon as he goes to cut that relationship, that organization, that career, that relationship that you thought would last forever, we stop his hand. But we think we're, 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 we're stopping the devil. This is good stuff. 
oftentimes we think we're binding the devil when we're actually binding God's hands from cutting certain things out of our lives that he doesn't want there anymore because he comes to cut so that we might bear more fruit. More fruit. God looks for two things in our lives. Two things. You can stand to your feet. Two things, and I am closing. I lost the bet by 10 minutes. I started late. He took too long. No, I'm just kidding. That's making excuses. The Lord's pruning me. I got to get better with time. Is everybody getting anything out of this? Can I tell you how I live my life now? I intentionally put myself and allow myself to go through difficult situations because it's the only place I can grow and get closer to Jesus. Most of us strategize on how to eliminate pain. We don't, we, it would not be spiritual to say it and to admit it. But when we admit it, and listen, the person we lie to the most is ourselves, isn't it? Isn't it true? And we position ourselves to get out of pain, to get out of suffering. Jesus always put himself on the line in difficult situations. Never tried to escape them. It's where growth takes place the most. <laughs> I didn't realize. This is TMI. Uh, my wife's like, what's he going to say? I remember. I remember as a little boy, my brother, my eldest brother, Daniel, I would watch him as an 18-year-old boy. I'm seven years younger than him. He would cut. He would shave. He would shave, and I just wanted to be like him. And, and you know, now I've got grays and stuff now. And look at my, turn around and let them see that thing, man. That beautiful kingly beard. I like it, actually. But now I have to, like, shave, like, every two days. I go to see my... my but she's like a sister of mine who cuts my hair. And she said, you got to do something with that beard? She didn't realize I just cut it just a few days before. And what, where it all started is me starting to cut too early. I started shaving my face. You know, I was probably 10 or 12, like just putting the shaving cream on. I wanted a beard, and now I can't stop it from growing. If you stay, don't run from the cutting. Don't run. Stop running. We must stop running. And if we stay in position to allow God to keep cutting us, guess what happens? The more you allow the process of God to cut you, you will produce much fruit. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.